the recording studio at Wimberley Road, welcome to Extraordinary Joes, where we tell the extraordinary stories of ordinary people, just like you and me. Each week, we'll sit down with a special guest and hear the story of their life, career, and lessons they've learned along the way. After spending some time with our guest, you just might realize that your next extraordinary story is well within reach. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's get started. Today's Extraordinary Joe is international man of mystery, Daniel Sperry. Daniel's a lifelong friend of mine and someone who I have the utmost respect for. Daniel has carved out an amazing life simply by responding to a few Craigslist ads and not being afraid to say yes to adventure. Can't wait for you to hear all of Daniel's stories. Please excuse the audio today as we had a few challenges interviewing an international man of mystery, but the stories are fantastic. Hope you'll stick around. Daniel, welcome to session two of Extraordinary Joes. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Brian. Uh, happy to be here and happy to be an Extraordinary Joe. Hey, we're going to jump right in with our rapid fire. So you let me know when you're ready and I'm going to be uh, slinging some questions your way. All right, I'm ready. Let's, let's do it. All right. If you could go back in time and change anything in history, what would it be? Uh, rapid fire. Wow. Um, Probably, uh, probably my birthday. I've always been fascinated by living in the uh, early 1800s and exploring uh, the West. So I would rather be born earlier. Chick Fil A sandwich or Popeyes? Uh, I've never had Popeyes sandwich, so a default Chick Fil A. But okay. Zaxby's is the superior chicken. Whoa! Hot take to yeah. start. Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Wow, just a, they have just a straight up chicken sandwich or what? No, Zaxby's doesn't. I don't think they have a chicken sandwich, but the, the chicken like the itself, chicken. yeah, yeah, the way they fry it is uh, really good. Is this because you've been living up north too long, or you, this is how you really? That feel? might be. We don't. Zaxby's isn't nearly as uh, expensive as Chick Fil A, so it's the one that I always get when I go home. When I go back to Georgia, I always stop by Zaxby's. Man, yeah. So there you go. I don't know if I can recover from that. All right, well, let's try to push forward. Uh, animal you most fear or creature? Uh, snake. And j just any kind of snake or? Uh, yeah, all kinds of snakes. Yeah. Every snake. Yeah, I've been to Australia a few times and that, that keeps me up at night. Um, you know, spiders are a close second. I've had some run-ins with spiders here and there. And uh, so either way, snakes or spiders. All right. Favorite childhood television show? Saved by the Bell. I think there's there's a lot of good shows in the late '80s, early '90s, but Saved by the Bell still would be a favorite. The original. The original. Yes. Yes. What was it? Um, I remember the the college years. Was there another spinoff in between there? There was a new class. Yeah. The new class. That's right. <laughs> and then there was also California Dreaming. If anybody remembers that, which is I don't. kind of like the Friends wannabe to the Seinfeld of Saved by the Bell. But, With uh, the, they have any original characters? Yeah, it was it was basically the same concept as Saved by the Bell, just a different cast. And, uh, okay. All right. Uh, Maverick, Goose, or Iceman? Uh, Hollywood. 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 Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, man. To, sorry. Right, this to, is getting off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. With the Zaxby's take, you know, Hollywood. 
So there's yeah. a there's a scene in Top Gun where uh, I think it's Hollywood is saying, you know, they're asking him, "Did you get the guy?" He's like, "No, nah, man, we went this way, he went that way." Yeah. I was like, "Hollywood, where'd he go?" Yeah. Hollywood said, "Where'd who go?" Yep, I remember that. That's a that's always that did it for line. you. Yeah, that's my favorite one. When's the sequel coming out? Uh, I think it's summer. Okay. All right, last concert you attended. Have you ever attended a concert? Um, the last one I bought a ticket for was Beach Boys concert in Massachusetts. Long time ago. Uh, the last one I attended was Ed Sheeran. Pasadena, California, uh, with one of my uh, bosses slash clients, uh, Young Prince. So, being a... Being a single guy by yourself at an Ed Sheeran concert is not the best look. You know, everybody's <laughs> kind of looking at you like you're surrounded by teenage girls and couples. Like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> and you. <laughs> okay. All right. Turkey or ham? Uh, turkey. Never been a huge ham. I'm with you. How about... Um... This this might be a tough one, but and I I, I work with Muslims also, Brian. So hams not bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. How about a favorite place you've traveled? Uh, you know that's a that's a good question. I get a lot. Um, my answer is usually uh, I'm still looking, or you know every place has is different its own right has its own beauty but for me um i really enjoy the bahamas and that part of the caribbean i think the water is among the best in the world um, and a lot of empty islands beautiful beaches and that's having you know i've been around to a lot of islands a lot of beaches but i still enjoy those bahamas okay um all i want for christmas is is a nice long nap and no one to call me <laughs> okay so all right, Daniel. You, with a couple yeah. of uh, a couple of interesting takes, you survived um, rapid fire. Good questions. So, uh, could you start us off with telling us a little bit about what you do professionally? Yeah. So um, that always takes a few minutes of explanation. Um, you know, when you first meet people, they expect you just to say, oh, "I'm an accountant. I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher." But um, in general, teachers, lame, lame yeah, teachers. Yeah, that, that is, I, I just threw that out there for you. Um, Thanks. I'm a, usually I'll say I'm a travel agent. Uh, in reality, I'm something I'm a mix between a personal assistant, travel agent, and just kind of a, you know, problem solver, for lack of a better word. Okay. So, you know, there's not really a, a a neat word that I fit into. Yeah, but then I think what you're getting at is not just what the title is, but what I actually do. So um, most of my work is with the Saudi royal family, and generally I plan trips for them. So mostly leisure trips around the world, um, and I've done that for a little over 10 years now. You know, while travel is the main thing, I get called a lot for random uh, other things. I, I meet a lot of lawyers, meet a lot of bankers, and then just other random uh, jobs or tasks. Interesting. So 
can you take us up from like maybe college uh, up until when you started? Like, what what's the yeah. background prior to yeah, becoming yeah. Um, international man so of mystery? Briefly, uh, went to college in South Carolina. Um, graduated with a degree in history. Wasn't quite sure what I was going to do next. Um, so I decided to go teach English in China. Learned I was not a very good English teacher. Uh, also, I was at a school with not a lot of support. They just kind of assumed because you spoke English that you'd be great at it. And so they just stuck me in a classroom. Really, I ended up teaching <laughs> PE mostly. And I Just for clarification, wasn't the class called Balls or am I misremembering We that? did have a class called Balls. Uh, and basically, I just played dodgeball with the kids. I taught them that. Uh, also taught them capture the flag, kickball, and a few other you know, American essentials. Yeah. Um, so it's far better than the typical Chinese PE class where they're basically just doing calisthenics and stretching the whole time. <laughs> uh, so I was there for a year, uh, decided to come back and study international relations, um, which is a subject I always enjoyed. So did that at Georgia Tech um, in the in-state school. It, was, uh, it wasn't too expensive. That was a good experience. Um, met some nice people, good professors, and um, really intended from there to join the intelligence community or work for the State Department, something like that, something in the government. Um, when I was leaving, uh, one, of, one of the more interesting stories from that time, when I was leaving, uh, I found a job on Craigslist uh, that was looking for medical people to be a medical test subject. Okay. This it, is in Atlanta. This is in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. So there's this, there's this group that was studying jet lag medicine. It was a sleep center. And, uh, what I had to do is go there and test sleep for one night. And they attach a lot of electrodes to your head and just study your brain waves as you sleep. And if you pass, um, then what they did, they flew me and 10 other people on a private jet from Atlanta to uh, France, and we stayed in a hospital for three days, uh, again with electrodes all over our head. And wait, they just, you did you passed the thing and did I, this? I, well, actually, I failed the first time, but they let me do it a second time. I <laughs> okay. I, I was wait, how did you? I'm sorry. How did you have to pass? Like, I, I, did I miss? Well, what they, was passing? Yeah, you don't think it's that hard. So the first time they uh, they stick you in the room at like 10 o'clock. They, they look at their watch, and they're like, okay, go to sleep. And they just turn off the light. And so you're sitting there, and you're like, okay, go to sleep, go to sleep. And you've got all these wires all over your body. Right. And so, you know, then your heart starts beating faster, and 10 minutes go by, and you think, I'm still not asleep. Crap, I have to get to sleep. And that just kind of snowballs. And before I knew it, I was laying there awake for three hours trying to get to sleep. Uh, so that time I failed just because I didn't sleep long enough. But then... Uh, that when they let me come back and test again, uh, I didn't sleep the night before. I had a huge meal of, of turkey before I went. <laughs> like I was, I was made sure I was going to go to sleep. Uh, anyway, so they flew us on a private jet, my first time on a private jet, and I thought it would be my last uh, to France. And we stayed there three days. Um, they tested our sleep during the night, and during the day we had three naps. Uh, but the idea of the nap. It's kind of cool. It wasn't to let us nap. It was just to see how long it took us to fall asleep. So the second mm. we fell asleep, they were studying it on the computer 
they would come in and wake us up. Really? Medicine each day. Some people got a placebo. Some people got a low dose. Some a high dose. They're trying to this test. This is a dose of what? Did you know what they were putting in your body? I, I don't. I think at the time they may have told us, but I don't know. Now, the, whatever <laughs> it was, the drug didn't get approved. It didn't pass. Uh, so the idea was that they had to stick us on a private jet because it had to be a controlled environment to make sure that we didn't sleep on the airplane. And, and they couldn't have any delays. They couldn't have any. They had to take off at exactly the right time and land at exactly the right time. So, you know, when you fly to Europe, you're usually flying overnight and you generally miss a night's sleep. Uh, so they made sure that nobody slept more than two hours on the jet. So you wait, when you land, you're very tired. Um, and then they make you stay up all day and give you this medicine to see how it affects you, see if you can quickly regulate and get a new sleep pattern. Anyway, so I did that and they paid me, they paid me $3,500 for those three days, which no way. at the time was, yeah, that was probably the most money I ever had. Um, so I, I took that money and I went to, Guatemala to study Spanish. Wait, so you didn't uh, I, come out of there like you haven't noticed any like you didn't grow an extra finger or like everything's okay? Well, I I think it's okay, but then again, you tell me. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know if something's wrong with me, so maybe other people see it. I don't. But, uh, but yeah, I think I'm healthy. Uh, but then took that money. This is kind of the long story into how I got into this, but no, it's great. Took that Keep money, it going. Um, went to Guatemala where I, I didn't know any Spanish. I, tr- I wanted to stay there for a couple months and learn Spanish. And uh, you know, landing, I knew nothing. I just followed other white people out of the airport and was like, "Where are y'all going?" I'll, I'll follow you. <laughs> and uh, didn't even know how to say hello in Spanish, or if I did, I said "hola." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, the pronunciation is terrible. And uh, Ended up staying just about a month, and then I had an interview back in D.C., uh, so moved back there uh, to stay on a friend's couch and, and start doing interviews looking for real work. Did you, was this, when you say you went to learn Spanish, like you were just going to hang out in Guatemala and learn Spanish, or that was like a school, or you just... Yeah, there, just... there was, there's a lot of Spanish, it's actually a really good place to learn Spanish for anybody listening. Um, the, the accent and the pronunciation is evidently like very neutral in Guatemala and they have um, some good they have some good cities to learn and the famous city there is called Antigua which is a beautiful city uh, near volcanoes and mountains a lot of English schools there then I studied in a city called uh, Shela or Quetzaltenango is the other name and that was high up in the mountains um, it's still an interesting city to, to study in. but anyway I went to school uh, and study for five hours a day, had my own tutor. Uh, they, they let you live with the Guatemala family. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. experience. So you come back to D.C.? Yeah, so I come back to D.C. and start interviewing. And now this is the spring of 2009. So, you know, we had just gone through whatever crash at the fall, fall or end of 2008. And... Um, I was having a really difficult time just getting you know, I thought it would be easy. Uh, the master's degree, uh, some international experience, whatever, but it was really hard just to, to get people to interview me. Uh, I had one job offer, which was to process security clearances in a little cubicle, working eight or nine hours a day. And I just remember looking at that and thinking, you know, this would, 
this just seems awful. Like I don't want to sit here for the rest of my life yeah. doing this. Um, but then what happened, I, I started interning um, for free in the Senate just to get something on my resume. I'm still living on my friend's couch. And then this is the part of the story. I usually I gloss over this part, but um, I I would get on Craigslist every day to look for job opportunities. Um, and this was the same same way I found the sleep study in Atlanta through Craigslist, and I would find you know painting jobs or moving or set up for concerts that kind of thing. Um, I was doing that in D.C. And I saw so you were doing you were doing these jobs. Yeah, just to make money for the roof to to get by and. Um, I saw a job that said uh, assistant to a foreign diplomat. Interesting travel opportunities. That's oh, all wow. it said. And so yeah. I think, yeah, you know, sure, why not? I'll send them, send them my resume. How many people can be applying to this? And I sent my resume. Um, the guy got back to me, and he was like, hey, like your resume looks good, uh, but I'm actually going out of town. We'll have to talk in a week or whenever. And probably the first lesson that can come from this is I told him, like, no, I was like, tell me where you are right now. I'm going to drive to wherever you are and I'm going to talk to you. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't let any time delay happen. And I went and drove him, met him at a bookstore. And uh, turned out he was a security, uh, somebody working in security for a Saudi prince. And he just said to me, hey, look, you know, this guy wants an American assistant. Kind of laid it out for me. And me, without much other um, opportunity, I just said, "Sure, sounds good. Let me let me give it a shot." And so that's yeah. kind of what started this whole thing. You take the job, um, sort of. You're like not real sure what what this thing's going to be. What did it look like for you when you got started with this job? Like, what did you learn that it was about? Um, so you know, I met the prince and. You know, he's, he's very much, um, that particular prince is, is similar to myself and he's that, and that he's very laid back. So, uh, it was a short conversation and, and he was just like, okay, let's try it. And there's a few things I had, I had to overcome. Um, one, I didn't know much about Arabs, Muslims, and definitely not Royals. Um, so I'm dealing with a few different cultural adjustments, you know, not just the, yeah. the religion and the, the culture, uh, but also the particular culture of being a royal or being a prince, which is even different from just being a, a normal person in the Middle East. Um, so all of that took some adjustment to learn how to act, um, learn what to do. But generally, early on, I just booked restaurants. I would just you know, go buy stuff meet him places and, and uh, very basic things, not much work at all. Uh, but then slowly, you know, as people get more comfortable with you and as you get more experience, um, I, uh, my extended my it's got me to where I am today. What, I mean, real quick sidebar. One of the things that's always impressed me about your story, not, not just with the career, but just in general is, um, I mean, I hope this is not offensive, but it seems like that's you, a good way you, to start a sentence. Yeah, it's a really good intro, right? <laughs> uh, I apologize in advance. No, it seems <laughs> it seems like you've always done things that, like, I don't want to say that you shouldn't be doing, but like 
that are a little bit like, man, I that's I can't believe Daniel's doing that. So one example, this is the part where I'm, I don't want to offend you, but I mean, you we, you know, you played high school basketball with some really good uh, players, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't like I can think of one other that went on and did something, and to me, sort of surprisingly, out of that group, you go and you play Division One basketball. Um, you, I mean, you kind of, I mean, you just, you literally walk on, uh, at the term is, and you, you play four years, right. For division one basketball team. And, uh, during that time, I don't, and I don't remember to fill in my story here, but like, I remember at one point you like wanted to do something that involved travel or like study abroad. And you basically said like, I'm going to go study abroad. And you were like still on the team somehow, which is unheard of as well. Um, and then you do take a Craigslist ad and you go to some shady sleep study in France and now you're working for a, uh, anyways, I just, I'm really impressed with how you've just some of these things that are like, you know, how did you do that? Well, yeah. can you speak on briefly? Like, like, what is that? Have you been able to pinpoint, like, how do you get over the, the fear or the, you know, sort of the doing things that you're quote unquote not supposed to like, how did, how has that developed in you that's allowed you to do so many cool things in your life? Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. You know, I have thought about that and, you know, the number of different jobs I've taken, things I've done. Um, I would like to say that it's purely that I don't care what people think, um, but that's definitely, it's not true because I, I do um, in a lot of ways. But in terms of uh, those stories, I think what happens is I'm more interested in the adventure than caring what people think. I'm more interested in seeing if yeah. I can do this. And so that's able to override that, that urge of playing it safe. Um, and yeah, I have always done that. And I, I would say that that's my advice to a lot of people is just do things. Don't be afraid of doing things that are outside the box. A lot of people would see a Craigslist ad, like any of those, you know, the sleep study or the, or the diplomat. And they think, ah, oh, you know, that's not true. That's a scam. That's this, um, but just being a little bit more open-minded to the world and thinking, you know what, maybe not everybody's out to get me. Let's just see what will happen. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? And just yeah. not being afraid to to go for op- weird opportunities like that. All right. It's a good question. Yeah, that's no, that's great. There's a, there's a, um, I, I wish I could uh, credit the author, although I think it's, probably several authors, there's a really good perspective that you, you just mentioned. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? And that's like, I don't want to say it's common, but you know, I think we've all heard that, but there's a good spin on that that says like, well, what's the best that can happen? You know, like, yeah. what if I play this out and it goes well, what does that look like? And I yeah. think we, you know, we, we avoid that a lot. Like we just, or we just ignore it, you know? Um, so, okay. Speaking of that, uh, has there ever been like, have you applied to a weird Craigslist ad and been like, "Oof, man, this, this is not going well. Like, have you made any mistakes uh, in that regard with your risk taking? Not, not specifically from Craigslist. I think a lot of things where you move or you're, you know, being a brand ambassador or setting up a stage, that's all pretty straightforward. Uh, the one job I took where I was helped, supposed to help a lady clear out her house uh, turned out she was a hoarder, uh, like really bad. And essentially 
I wanted to go there and just start clearing things out, but all she wanted me to do is like take junk from one drawer and put it in another drawer. <laughs> um, I worked for her a couple times, and it was it was very sad, but it's it's pretty creepy too. At one point, she heated up some like pea soup and offered it to me, and I said no a few times, but then I was like, oh, I have to be polite. And in my mind, it was really 50-50. Is she poisoning me? Am I going to die right here <laughs> when I eat the soup? Um, that was probably the, the weirdest or the, the worst experience. But, um, you know, nothing, I don't know. Uh, you can always, you can usually tell in the ad if it's a little bit too, I mean, some ads are a little bit odd or, or strange. But overall, no. If you're looking for work, I don't think people are trying to scam you if you're just looking. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, you've gone from, you know, booking a, a restaurant to doing uh, significantly more. Um, yeah. Another thing that I'm just, to, to me, that makes you an extraordinary Joe is that you've, you've really built um, your own business out of this thing, but I'll get to that in a minute, but can you, can you give us a picture? I know there's no typical week, but if you piece together, here's a, a week in the life of, of, you know, this consulting job that you have, like, what would, what would that look like? Um, considering that I know, I know it's different all the time, but it, it is different. Uh, it depends. The biggest difference is if I'm on a trip or if I'm just at home, if I'm at home, it might just be planning for future trip, calling hotels, doing research online. Uh, you know, I lo- if we're going to a place, especially I haven't been, um, I'll I'll learn every single hotel. I'll look at all the reviews. I'll look at the restaurants. I'll study the maps, see the best places. Um, so that takes time. Besides that, I-, I might get called from butlers at houses that I help manage in Europe or the U.S. telling me something's broken or something needs to be paid for or whatever. So uh, I deal with those issues. Um, lawyers will call me just to update me on different legal matters. Yeah, it's, it's really varied when I'm at home. Um, it's never, it's not exactly a nine to five, but uh, it keeps me busy. Uh, aside from that, when I'm traveling, which this year I spent the first uh, five months of the year traveling almost full time. Yeah. And that's, that's different. That's, you know, all day, every day. As soon as you wake up, um, either the hotel is asking you questions, people start calling you. Uh, these trips have a good amount of people, you know, anywhere from 10 to 25 people. Hey, so, you're, you're acting as sort of like a, a supercharged, like concierge, right? Right. Right. And I don't, I'm not always on the trip. Uh, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, but the ones where I'm on the trip, uh, you know, I stay in the hotel wherever people are staying and people just call me for every single request, whether they're leaving, flying to go home or come back. Um, these are members of the staff and members of the entourage. Um, you know, people call for restaurants for activities. Uh, we we have a usually have a set of drivers. You know, five, six, seven drivers. They'll call me asking me what's going on. You know, like what's the schedule for the day, all that kind of stuff. And inevitably, there's things that go wrong. And keep in mind, these are these are royals. So every day they have a different request or something. They want to do something that is outside of the norm. They want to go to the best restaurant in the city, but they want to go at 2 p.m. when it's closed, or they want to go at 1 a.m. when it's closed, or 
nothing yeah. is ever that simple. Um, so we just end up booking a lot of stuff and, and it's a lot of negotiating and convincing people on the phone. Uh, look, keep this open for me. Help me out. I'll take care of you. And uh, thankfully we have the budget to make a lot of stuff happen. <laughs> Uh, so you've built, you've built this from Craigslist guy who's, you know, maybe a glorified like errand boy into, uh, what I see it. I mean, you have your own business now. You've, you've, you're running a lot of, uh, your consulting work through your own, your own travel business. Um, can you talk about how, how you did that? I mean, that's a, that's a lot, but like, how did you go from, Craigslist guy, let's give it a shot to now being a legitimate international travel consultant. Yeah. Um, so the after the first year, I kind of started to think, you know what, this isn't so bad. <clears throat> Let me try to stick with this at least for a few years, see what happens. Um, and as I was doing that, I was learning how wealthy people, I was learning a lot about the culture and learning how wealthy people travel and, and how they behave what they like um so in doing that i dealt with a lot of providers from hotels to airplanes yachts and all that stuff and you're usually dealing with uh, middlemen so at some point uh, i realized that you know i could be earning money uh, just like they are uh, and i could probably be saving my clients or my people i work for more money if i did that so i just decided to try to cut out the middlemen and be the way be the middleman myself uh, so you know i learned the process how to apply how to um, get my travel agent certification and uh, that's what i did it took a few months and probably the more important thing that i did is i spoke with the guys i worked for first and i explained to them this is what i want to do and i helped them understand that yes i'll be making more money from this but it's not going to be costing you more money i'm going to be very transparent about what i'm making and what what you're paying for things um, and they were okay with it so if they had not been okay with it I wouldn't have done it they were okay with it so I went from there and then once I had the company I was able to uh, work for more people who I would meet you know it's a big family over there cousins brothers uh, wives aunts whatever so you can um, you know if you prove yourself trustworthy you can work you can get quite a bit of work once you're in that inner circle. Yeah. Um, inter man, so interesting. So what is the craziest story you can share uh, about your experience with your uh, in your current position? That's a, that's a good question. I get that one uh, a lot too. I don't you know that the first year or two years, I remembered a lot of stories because they were all new and they were funny. Now it, things tend to just be normal, you know. Even though they yeah. might still be crazy, I, I don't really consider them as as crazy stories. Um, early on, I mean, then, for me, like you just ate horse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to so, me, that's like I that's, didn't even know that that was a thing that people did. Yeah, that's an interesting. That was this was actually an interesting weekend this past weekend. So I. I just came back from, I was in Europe, and then I traveled to Uzbekistan, uh, and eventually Dubai, and back here to the U.S. But uh, in Uzbekistan, I was invited, I wasn't with a, a prince, 
but I was invited by somebody I've met through their network. Um, and this guy has gotten himself involved with a, a UFC fighter uh, by the name of Khabib, who's a, if you follow the sport, he's a, he's a very famous Russian UFC fighter. So this guy is kind of his manager now and is in his entourage. So he and Khabib were putting on this UFC fight in Uzbekistan, which, as you can imagine, doesn't get a lot of uh, outside uh, sporting events. So I think the, the whole country was very excited, and he invited me to come along. Uh, so I went there and, and met the guys and watched watched the fights. Then afterward, we had a big dinner with the president's son, with Khabib, with these other fighters, and they served... Uh, it looked like dried horse. I didn't know what it was until they told me it was cut in slices and, you know, they made me eat it. Uh, so it was, this is actually the second time I've had horse. The first time was in, in Iceland and that was actually quite good. And, and they tricked me there to eat it too, but that was more like a tender steak. This was yeah. just kind of like dried meat and it was not that Uzbekistan is not known for their food, I'd say. So, uh, it was okay. Uh, not, uh, I wouldn't, but yeah, it's a, that was an interesting story. Uh, okay. And that was, again, that was back to your point of just being open to doing things. I really kind of wanted to come home. I was tired. But I thought, you know what? Let me, people invited me to this country. Who knows when I'll ever go? And just say yes to things. And, you know, I ended up meeting this fighter and, and his friends. And um, I flew with them on their, on their private jet back to Dubai. So, you know, who knows where those relationships will go, but at least now I have them and I have some yeah. good experiences. So, I mean, not, not to like water it down and put it in a pretty package, but you, you've really carved out a pretty extraordinary, extraordinary Joe, interesting life. Like just by kind of saying yes and, and being willing to try stuff. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a good way of putting it. And, um, and that, and also I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have an agenda when I do a lot of these things. You know, I just show up and I'm just nice. I just talk to people. I'm not immediately trying to make money or have some business idea or business deal where that happens a lot when you deal with these, these wealthy people, you know, people have an agenda a lot, um, but I'm just there and talk to people. Even if I'm helping them out, I do it for free. And at some point, if I say, Hey, look, I need to you know, charge you for this or make money. I'm, I'm clear with that, but so I think both of those things, just being able to say yes and, and being open to ideas, um, and then not trying to be so business focused right from the start. I mean, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to Kuwait this week um, to see uh, a friend who started a company there and asked for my help with a few things. Uh, and same idea, like I'm not going there thinking that I'm going to make money. But I'm just going there because it's, it's a new country and who knows who I'll meet. I'll probably meet some influential people and, uh, and just have new relationships. You know, just sit and talk to people and, and learn about what they're doing. Maybe something will come of it, maybe not. But uh, it's good just to give it a shot. Yeah, man, it's a great perspective. It's one I have a hard time with it. Like, I have a hard time instituting it, but it's, it's a wonderful um, perspective to have. It sounds like you know you're living like what do the what does the guy say like champagne dreams and I don't remember <laughs> but like some you know um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not always champagne. Well, I this is 
maybe the podcast is this is kind of the Instagram version of stories. You know, you're not seeing the nights where I'm I get two hours of sleep or the days that are dull and boring or when you know I'm sent as an now an older experienced person I'm I'm sent to run out and you know buy coffee or buy yeah. this little present or whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of demeaning or, or meaningless tasks that you put up with. So, you know, don't think that it's just all, all great and wonderful. Like, what's the biggest negative? What's the biggest challenge? You know, at, as you get older, think, your perspectives change. Um, when I was younger, it was very exciting to be traveling all the time. To see these hotels, have all these experiences. Um, but, you know, the travel does get wear on you as you get older, especially you know, most of the time I'm by myself. I'm... I'm with people who are very friendly and very nice, but it's a culture not my own. And um, it's hard to, you know, you feel very uh, isolated uh, on these trips. And then there's the aspect of, of, you know, wealth and how we're spending money. You know, I see a lot of nice things and I'm very sensitive to the idea that this is going to ruin me or, or hurt me for enjoying normal things with my family or friends back home, I still want to be able to enjoy uh, just normal life. And so I try to compartmentalize the fancy and the luxury things in one area as acknowledging that that's not real life. Um, but it's a challenge sometimes Yeah. To, to keep those things separate. All right. If somebody else wanted, to, maybe not to become an international man of mystery, there, there's only one, but if somebody else wanted to, get into something similar let's just say that maybe the travel agent world um any advice uh to someone other than sort of the perspectives you've offered in terms of like your personality traits and approach but sort of tangible actionable steps yeah you know all i can say is what i from my perspective what to do i don't know if it's necessarily well you're an extraordinary joe so yeah um if i were younger I would find whatever industry you like, or even if you don't like a particular industry, you're just trying to choose one. I would find a wealthy person or a successful businessman, whatever it is, and go talk to that person, offer to work for free, do whatever you can to be around that person. You know, Don't worry about money at all, really. And try to figure that out another way. But that doesn't mean that you can't just go up to anybody and say, I'll work for free. Uh, because a lot of times that's more hassle to the person. and you know, They have to teach you what to do and all this stuff. You have to look at look at somebody's life and say, how can I add value to their life? What can I do? That way, if I go and say, hey, can I be around? Can I do this stuff for free for you? Can I do these things for you? And if he sees that, uh, he or she sees that you're actually adding value, then maybe he'll say, yeah, okay, come around, do this stuff for me. And Odds are, within a few months, you'll say, okay, like, let me start paying you for a few stuff. You do this stuff. Um, and really, it's just about getting experience. You know, a lot of people, when they get out of college or get out of school, they just want to hop in any nine-to-five job to earn 30000 a year, 40000 a year. And I would say that that money is insignificant when you're 22 or 23. You know, go look for experience and look for successful people and just attach yourself to those people. Um, my that's kind of what I did. Uh, you know, I, I just stayed stuck with wealthy people and you know, 
eventually good things will come from that. So that, that would be more or less my advice. Yeah. Tips for a casual traveler. If you know, you, you travel so much, what, what tips could you provide to an ordinary Joe like myself who might be taking a trip, um, you know, not to Uzbekistan, but yeah. you know, what, what could you offer to, to make a trip better or to save money or to like, you know, be more creative with how we travel? Yeah. Um, well, first for the creativity part, there's such good apps and websites out there aside from TripAdvisor, Expedia that offer you behind the scenes glimpses of the city or country where you are. So, you know, there's a lot of creative ways to travel besides just going to the Louvre and going to um, whatever museum in the city, the, the main tourist stuff. Um, so I'd, I'd recommend that. Try to get out and do some independent traveling and, and just things that are unusual. But uh, as far as for actually how to travel itself, I'm a big proponent of miles and uh, rewards. Uh, I have... With my work and how much money I spend, I have a tremendous amount of of miles and points, and so that's kind of like a, a hobby for me. A, a second job is just managing all that. But for a regular person, if you could study, um, you know, the credit cards and look at what sign up bonuses are, uh, and, and plan a trip and say, okay, I want to go to Hawaii. I want to stay at a Marriott hotel. What airlines will get me there? How much are they going to charge for a free flight? Uh, once I get there, if I stay at the Marriott, how do I earn Marriott points to you know, make this work? Uh, so if you can learn that, and there are great websites, One Mile at a Time, The Points Guy, I think Million Miles, something. Uh, there's great websites out there to do that. So if, you're, if you don't have uh, frequent flyer account numbers for every airline, every hotel, you should do that right away. And then also, when you're planning a trip, uh, plan out exactly what, how, how to do that free. And there's a lot of ways to do it free. And no, your credit is not going to be hurt nearly as much as you think it will be if you open a credit card or close it a year later, whatever. Um, there's ways around that. So I'd recommend for, for average travelers to take that seriously and take a couple hours, read about it, and try to plan their trip around what miles they can get for free and, and, and to make it cost-effective trip. Yeah. Anything that I forgot to ask that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. Uh, I think maybe just in terms of my job and how I keep my job, um, I'm not, I usually don't share the Craigslist part because, you know, in my pride, I think that belittles the job a little bit. People tend to be like, oh, well, you just got lucky or anybody could get that job. Well, Hey, I mean, just to be fair, like there's, there's nothing more like you know, sort of ordinary Joe than I found a job on Craigslist. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. That's true. Um, but then I'll look at it and I'll say, well, yeah, I may have got the job in that certain way, but it's taken a lot of work and a lot of time to keep the job and to grow it to where it is. And with that, uh, I think, one of the most important things that's helped me is uh, just being honest and having integrity, especially when you're dealing with money, uh, when you're dealing with a lot of uh, unsupervised responsibility. I do make mistakes, but when I make mistakes, I let the people know quickly. And that's very much against the culture 
of royals in the Mideast. Usually if, if an assistant makes a mistake, he's terrified of letting the prince know or the boss know that he did it. Whereas I, I'll go to them and I'll tell them, hey, like this happened. This is my fault. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And I'm, I have a lot of transparency. And I think that can cross over into other jobs and, and uh, it creates a lot of trust. If you're not trying to cover for yourself all the time, but you're just saying, hey, like, I tried, I made a, I made a mistake, but here's how I'll fix it. So I think that's a, it's an important part of it, too. And that's an important yeah. part of, of how I've succeeded. So good. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Well, uh, two more questions, Daniel. What's next for, for Daniel Sperry? Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. If you have any ideas, let me know, too. Um, yeah, hiring an assistant uh, who can travel with you and do podcasts and write on the side? Yeah, absolutely. I'm available. If you, if you know someone, uh, I like that. It's, it's good. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm working through that right now. It's It might be a little yeah. bit of a transition period. Uh, I, as I mentioned, the travel does get a little bit tiring over time. And then you start to, just naturally, you want to branch out and start learning other industries or other types of things to do. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say where the next business opportunity will come from. Uh, but aside from that, my, my long-term plan when I was younger was always let me work professionally for 15 or 20 years into my late 30s and then let me try to take the knowledge I've learned or money I've made and figure out a way to give back to the community or be involved in philanthropy or some other mission aspect. So I still have that in mind of trying to yeah. uh, be more involved in, uh, in something mission-minded to, to help other people. So hopefully something like that will come up in the next few years. Yeah, yeah, and we don't have to go into it, but you and I have had some discussions uh, previously. Uh, you've got some fantastic ideas about that. So I really I look forward to whenever that materializes. I know you'll do good things. All right, Daniel, that's the end of our uh, our time together. I really appreciate you taking the time and um, sharing your story so openly. And I know that our our guests will enjoy having heard from you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. And uh, best of luck with season one of Extraordinary Joe's. All right, Daniel. Talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another session of Extraordinary Joe's with international man of mystery, Daniel Sperry. Who knows where your next response to a Craigslist ad might take you. Thanks again for joining us. Talk to you next time.